I'm very impressed by your blindfolded Ruby's Cube solving, Nathan, but I feel for your videos, you should just add some uh, some additional gravitas to do that thing where they pick it up first and check all six sides to make it look like they're seeing where all the colours are, not memorising a pattern. I mean, if I did that, the video would not be three minutes long, it would be 33 minutes long. <laughs> you only have to give it a quick look on, on each six sides and then just cover down and away you go. Something to make it look like you've, that's the first time you've seen it. <laughs> Original concept for the video was that I would be whistling circus music throughout, but unfortunately <laughs> I couldn't concentrate well enough to do that and not fuck up the solve. So <laughs> I think you should have just uh, overlaid it in post. What do I look like, Paul? <laughs> no, what you should have been doing is humming the theme tune to Remedial Nerding. <laughs> Don't remember it. Welcome to this week's episode of Remedial Nerding, the podcast where three nerds force each other to watch something that they really should have already seen. Your friendly neighbourhood nerds this week are Nathan, Dan and me, Paul. Remember, there's no such thing as a bad nerd. Hello and welcome to Remedial Nerding, Season 6, Episode 10. This week it is Avengers Age of Ultron, or Avengers Part 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I mean, where does Electric Boogaloo come from? Is it from a specific reference? It's a specific film. Hang on a minute. Yeah, I've got a feeling it's from the disco era. Break Into, 1984, rating 5.1 out of 10. Put that on the list for season 25. <laughs> <laughs> Along with Jaws 4 and I don't know. I think I saw Jaws 4. Twilight. Got Michael Caine in it. You're only supposed to blow the bloody jaws off. <laughs> blow the bloody jaws off. Oh, but um, thank you and good night. I'm done. That's it. I've reached... <laughs> That's it. that that is the peak of podcast I've right there. Reached peak, Dad. <laughs> it's the uh, story behind one of the quote Michael Caine quotes for the ages, which is, "I never saw the film, but I saw the house it paid for." <laughs> I think Sir Patrick Stewart may say something similar about the Emoji Movie. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about Age of Ultron. Let's just have a quick recap of what Nathan thought he knew about the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the gang takes down Siri, which is frankly not that far off. I mean, if Siri became immensely self-aware and took everything at face value and did a fifth element and then went the wrong direction. I'll tell you what, though, I would pay real cash money to have James Spader as my Siri voice. <laughs> it was the perfect choice for the voice of Ultron. I think I'd, when I saw it, I'd just come off the back of like a um, was it the Black Book binge, the Blacklist, and obviously that he's the star in that, and it's just like he just has that voice. I did not recognise his voice partly because it's under a lot of reverb. That's going to be my excuse and robot filters. <laughs> and I actually, I actually wondered if it was Robert Downey Jr. doing the voice. That would have been meta if they'd got Robert Downey Jr. and shit. Who's the guy that does the voice of Jarvis? Poor Bettany. Yeah, if they got them to record the same lines side by side and just overlaid them together. Man, that's beyond even my level of uh, post-production. And I'm a complete amateur. I mean, they, they he definitely has some Tony Stark mannerisms at points. 
I think that's entirely intentional. Yeah, a chip off the old uh, arc reactor. I mean, he gets really angry when someone compares him to Tony. So it's been like three or four days since I watched the film, and as a result, I have an extremely hazy conception of what happens in it. But in broad (laughs) strokes, correct me if I'm wrong, they get that scepter that Loki had a couple of films back, crack it open, and Tony Stark says, holy shit, there's an AI in here. I could use this to make a space force? Question mark. Before that, there is the epic opening fight scene in Sokovia, where the German scientists that are totally not Hydra but are Hydra are experimenting using the Scepter to create mutants, except you can't call them mutants, so they're the Enhanced. They're the Enhanced, who by coincidence have the same name, ages, and non-code names as some characters from an X-Men film a couple of years ago. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not the frame narrative here, so don't get confused. I think you're missing the most important part of that first scene, which is when Steve tells them what language, because someone says shit or something. (laughs) Which becomes a running joke for the rest of the entire movie. They get the scepter back. Derailed Nathan's massively canter through plot summary. Whilst in that battle, recovering the scepter, we do see Tony Stark's Iron Legion, which is his army of self-propelled Iron Man robots, because who doesn't want an army of robots? Yeah, I'm guessing Vanko didn't file a patent for them in Iron Man 3. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going further into the question of why Iron Man ever goes out himself, as opposed to just hanging out on boats, using it <laughs> joystick style, because that seems safer. Latency. I, I, yeah, I guess. But we have seen him do it. I mean, his suits are fly-by-wire. I mean, the house party protocol, for one. I mean, that's not so much fly-by-wire as it is fly-by-Jarvis. It's the same thing. All the the Iron Legion are just Jarvis. He took the house party protocol and went, I'm not putting people in all these suits, let's just build robots. Drone better. So they go and nick the staff, beat up some Nazi-not-Nazis, come back... They celebrate by getting shit-faced, which does have my favourite bit of pretty much the entire MCU. When they all try and lift the hammer. Yeah, and Steve gets yeah so very close to picking it up. And then whilst drunk, Tony finds out that there's an AI buried in the scepter. Because all good things come from when you're drunk. Oh, one thing we probably should... See, this is the problem doing a, a, an accelerated plot summary. The reason Tony goes a bit mental with this is because he gets his brain washed by Wanda, who kind of shows him images of all his friends dead and dying. So he's like, I need to put a suit of armour around the world. Oh yeah, one of the two X-Men characters we previously mentioned is I think a boggart is probably the best way of putting it. He's there to serve the purpose of having the author tell you what the character's deepest fear is. I like that reference, but I need to know if Paul gets that reference. I'm assuming it's a Harry Potterism. (laughs) And you can both fuck off. (laughs) <laughs> Add it to the list. There's too many things on the list already. We've already referenced Sir Pat Stu, so I think we're, we're neutral so far this episode. Use the force, Harry. <laughs> Gandalf. <laughs> right. Where were we? <laughs> Tony's got a theory that he can use this AI he found in an old can to turn his droid army into a Earth protection force, I think. Yeah, and then they can all take time off and go on holiday. But he accidentally lets it read Wikipedia first, and it decides that humanity's not worth saving. It has a conversation with Jarvis whilst reading Wikipedia, and then murders Jarvis, which was distressing. And then, rather than remain a distributed and therefore invincible creature, it decides instead it's going to be a big robot. And by big, I mean like 40-80% to bigger than a normal human being. Not like a helicarrier or anything. (laughs) 
it was still multifaceted and spread throughout the world via the web and multiple robots because it starts off as one of Tony's Iron Legion that's been busted and beat up and sings a really creepy rendition of Pinocchio's I've Got No Strings to Hold Me Down, which is totally nightmare fuel. Always be a distributed data stream unless you can be a tank, then be a tank. (laughs) So they end up having the scrap in the Avengers HQ, which they do pretty well at given that they're all at least half pissed by this point. Oh, we've also found out at this point that Natasha and Banner are having a bit of a a relationship, which seems a bit strained by, you know, the giant green rage monster. But there's now a secret code passage to get rid of the Hulk. To, yeah, calm him down. Really what they should be doing is like permanently injecting him with ketamine or something. Seems to have it pretty on the wraps. Uh, So after Ultron escapes, what what goes on next? Oh yeah, he uses the base in Sokovia to build an army of drones. He recruits the enhanced twins who also look like Tony Stark yeah oh and then he goes and finds um, South African Gollum Ulysses Clue that's who he was I completely forgot we didn't (laughs) talk about this before about um, Andy Serkis not being in the Avengers but except that he is and that was him (laughs) it's also the first mention of Wakanda in the series which totally passed me by watching the film the first time yeah, they mention it as somewhere that vibranium comes from. If I remember correctly, there are like two sources of vibranium in the MCU. One, the biggest is Wakanda, but then there's some little deposits elsewhere. Aren't they supposed to have come from uh, an asteroid or something like that that landed in Wakanda? Uh, so the Avengers find out where they are, go and attack them. Wanda puts nightmares into everyone, and the Hulk goes on a rampage in like downtown Johannesburg. And Tony calls in Vera. Is that the one who calls... Because it in from space? Veronica. Veronica, sorry, not Vera. Yeah, Veronica. Uh, I believe Veronica is space-based. Yeah, that was kind of introduced early on as kind of a kryptonite bullet for the Hulk, except yeah, it doesn't seem that effective. No, it's not enormously. There was a conversation, was there, between Bruce and Tony about Bruce helping design Veronica, should the worst happen. Yeah. But it, sound, it, definitely, it definitely seems like they've not properly product-tested They've, they've rushed the launch. Oh, another thing we missed was Clint gets injured in the original fight, so they get uh, Dr. Cho to come and use some like nanotechnology to repair him. Mm. After the, the scrap in South Africa, they all then go and hide out at Clint's farm and realise that he's got like a wife and kids that no one but Nick Fury knew about. His secret family. Yeah. We are treated to a log-off between Tony and uh, Steve. Yeah, till Steve gets angry and just starts ripping the logs in half with his bare hands. <laughs> And then Tony gets asked to go and have a look at the tractor, but it turns out it's not the tractor he's supposed to be having a look at, it's Nick Fury. He gives him a metaphorical kick up the arse to get on with sorting out Ultron. Because until this point, uh, Nick's, Nick Fury's meant to have been dead, isn't he? Does Steve know he's still alive? Uh, Steve knows he's still alive, because that was at the end of The Winter Soldier. Yeah. So in the meantime, Ultron is using the scepter and the vibranium with Dr. Cho's synthetic tissue stuff to build himself a new body from scratch. And then starts the comedically slow upload process. Cue something like out of the the Matrix. But then fortunately, at the speed of plot, the Avengers turn up to try and stop him. Yeah, and they keep trying to pull the USB cable out. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Oh, and Wanda reads, his, reads Ultron's mind and realises that he's going to solve the problem of humanity by destroying it. Who could have seen that one coming? Or does a U-turn worthy of a politician? <laughs> Uh, then we have a ridiculous chase scene through the streets of Seoul that ends up with two of the robot things just kind of latching onto the side of the, the trailer and then just flying it through the air like a brick or an F4 Phantom. I'll assume that's a sick aviation burn. Oh yeah, massively. 
but then Barton manages to defeat the laws of physics by flying his hell his queen jet backwards while they end up with the coffin sarcophagus thing inside. It gets very confusing. But the end point is everyone gets away apart from Nat, who gets taken by Ultron. Uh, while this has all been going on, someone on the internet, some like thirteen year old hacker, has been stopping Ultron breaking into the nuclear codes. Yeah, so instead, correct me, again, stop me if I'm wrong, he comes up with the alternative plan of what we'll do is just elevate a UNESCO World Heritage Site in Eastern Europe to an altitude of, I guess, escape velocity, so like 20,000 kilometres or something, and then just drop it again, thereby simulating an asteroid. It's not even drop it, it's like the engines that it goes up, they turn around and it fires it down back into the ground, yeah. I mean, I feel we have skipped a fairly decent plot point here where Tony Stark goes to the centre of the internet. Oh yeah, it goes to Internet HQ. It's in Norway. (laughs) And that's where it turns out the 13-year-old is not in fact a 13-year-old, it is actually Jarvis who managed to like digitally escape the the murder by Ultron. I'm fairly sure that the selling point of the internet, like what they did when they sat down and said, should we invent the internet? Well, point one plus, it won't have a HQ in Norway that someone could go to. (laughs) There won't be a single point where all of the data flows through. Yeah. I'm trying to send an email from my office in Barrow, Alaska to the tyre supplier in Nome, Alaska, but unfortunately it's got to go by way of Norway. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think the new Johnny English film did something very similar with a uh, small cable hut that housed the fibre optic cable that allowed the internet to travel the world. That was up in Scotland somewhere. I mean, it's in Cornwall in the real world, but... Yeah, I was going to say, there's a period of time in history where that was more or less true. Like, there was a three or four metre stretch of Cornish beach somewhere that was the departure point for eight out of the nine existing transatlantic cables. That's still not far off the case. Most of it is still down in Cornwall. Uh, anyway, Tony gets back from Norway with the downloaded Ultron from the internet, and he's there with a, a USB drive with, a, with no, sorry, Ultron, with Jarvis. It's like, Jarvis, empty Android body. Jarvis, body. <laughs> Jarvis... Body. <laughs> I feel that was more of a case of what can I put in this box to stop Ultron getting in this box? Because he did have, a, as we later find out, an entire drawer full of AI constructs that he could have just plugged into it. That is true. Well, that's his box of Siri voice files. But yeah, they upload Jarvis into the new body, uh, which then wakes up. Between plugging in and Vision waking up is very much the... Like, the start of the the split and the big schism in the Avengers because half of them were on the side of yeah let's totally fucking do this and the other's like don't be fucking crazy you can't do this you're a megalomaniac Tony you've already done this once this week and look how well that's worked out <laughs> not to jump ahead to did you like this film but I didn't really understand why he was trying to do it or why people were trying to stop him I think Tony was trying to do it so that he could take the suit off and just go back to being a person and the world be completely defended from the giant space monsters that he keeps having to face on an almost weekly basis at this point. And the others were like, no, because the last time you did this, the AI you unleashed now wants to destroy humanity. Let's not do that again. And give it an indestructible vibranium body. But they end up having a little scrap with him when he first wakes up and Thor throws Mjolnir at him and he catches it out of the air and hands it back, at which point Thor goes, okay, this guy must be all right. (laughs) I mean, if it's only worthy people and Steve wasn't quite worthy and Vision can just pick it up, it's probably a fair point. I still think that Steve could lift it, but he felt it go and put it back down. Because he didn't want to upset Thor. 
Yeah, because <laughs> he's that nice a guy. So then they all set off for Sokovia again. They're racking up the air miles. They're not thinking of their carbon footprint. The Quinjets are just totally arc power reacted. Arc power reacted. Save the world from Ultron, but all die because of global warming. Sorry, climate change. Yeah. It's reactor power arced. So at this point, they managed to get in touch with Nat via longwave radio because Ultron's left her in a radio shack in the castle in Sokovia. Because it's obsolete tech. They managed to sneak Banner in while everyone else is distracting Ultron. And he's like, I can't get involved because I'll call Smash. At which point Nat goes, I don't need you. I need the other guy and kicks him in the balls. Pulls a this is Sparta. I mean, in Banner's defence, the, the last Hulk out he did, did wreck most of a major Chinese city. I'm fairly sure China has not been involved in this film at all up to this point. We're talking about either South Africa or possibly Korea. Eh, I failed geography, it's fine. We've managed to avoid being massively racist there by Dan's admitting he doesn't know where <laughs> countries are. My my geography education is about slightly just higher than your average American. Canada up, Mexico down, Europe and Russia. We're done. Except I'm not entirely sure how big Russia is. It's a very big comrade. Oh, and Australia, because I like watching those shows. Uh, anyway, whilst the city, as Nathan mentioned, is being fired up into the sky, they realise they've got a load of civilians on board, so they try and work out, decide whether or not they're going to leave them to die, and everyone's like, no, no, it's alright, we're going to stay here and die with them, until in a bit of a deus ex machina, Nick Fury turns up with the helicarrier that is you know, unmothballed with Rhodey and Agent Hill, and they go, ah, now we've got a way to get everyone off. I mean, they did have a plan for Stark to slowly lower it back down into place rather than just drop it and kill everyone and then that went tits up and then they were just like okay now we're all just gonna die but it wasn't just a oh fuck it <laughs> let's just stay here yes so plan a is just to set bratislava back where it came from <laughs> plan b then when that doesn't work plan b is well okay then we'll explode it when it's only semi-high and like I guess fuck up the Czech Republic, but otherwise we'll be okay. When then that doesn't work, they're up in the troposphere or something. Well, I suppose we're all in the troposphere, really, aren't we? They're up in the mesosphere or something. Stratosphere. Is there is there such a thing as a mesosphere? Yeah, it's above the stratosphere. Oh, right. Okay, not that then. Anyway, so they will then stand in a circle around the, the doom button and try and prevent all the robots from touching it and do some bullet time. Which doesn't go so well for well, the male <laughs> Maximov twin when he gets deaded. <laughs> I was just about to say, we, we discover what Hawkeye's shield's made out of. Turns out it's Quicksilver. Ooh. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it was a variation on the old bodyguard throwing themselves in front of a bullet, because A, it's not a bodyguard, and B, he throws himself in, throws himself in front of every bullet, <laughs> using his The Flash powers. There's a scene earlier on where it cuts to, I guess, Quicksilver cam, so it's I guess one of his super moves from his perspective, and I is my favorite part in the film because he's just you know an average-looking Eastern European guy jogging and breathing heavily in slow motion. I'm oh, sorry, everyone else is in slow motion. Still not my favorite Quicksilver slow motion. It's the bit with that when he tries to grab Mjolnir out of the middle of the air and just gets goes flying <laughs> with it. Yeah, big fight round the Doomsday button, which doesn't work. And Wanda goes absolutely postal. When her brother dies and you know, just tears Ultron to shreds. Yeah, she does go a bit librarian. Using dark magic, which I guess is just a thing. <laughs> it's kind of like, um, what's she called? From Fantastic Four. I want to say Sue Storm, but I'm pretty sure that's wrong. No, the Invisible Woman. Invis so yeah, started out with invisibility and they're like, well, that's you can't really tear a robot apart with invisibility. 
So in a similar way, the Scarlet Witch started out with like revealing character motivation powers. But then when that was a bit visually uninteresting later in the film, she also got telekinesis or something. We did get telekinesis in the end credit sequence, the movie before, when she was just floating her bricks in the air. Or a spoon or something, yeah. Okay. I kind of like the the, the Maximovs, partly because they do... I've, I've complained already about not really knowing what the villain motivation is, but those two had a very clear motivation, which was, we hate fucking Tony Stark and we're going to try and arrange for him to be kicked in the balls as hard as possible. <laughs> oh, wait, he wants to kick everyone in the balls? Well, screw that then. To be fair... That has been the motivation for most of Tony Stark's enemies. Well, as I said before, Tony makes his own enemies. <laughs> in this case, literally. Well, question, does he though? Or does, is Ultron just in that box and then he goes evil when he reads Wikipedia? Or is he some... Because as I say, he has Tony Stark's kind of delivery on a couple of comedy lines. I think it is just the, I'm meant to protect all of humanity. Oh wait, humanity is destroying itself the only way to save humanity is to destroy humanity quicker to lessen their suffering. I don't think he was ever really evil. He was just really good in the wrong fucking way. It's unclear to me because he definitely does some evil gloating, not in a kind of, I don't understand why you guys are trying to stop me. This is the optimum solution. Yeah, that is it, isn't it? It's like, this is this is what has to happen, otherwise you're all just going to suffer. But I can understand why you want to live, but it doesn't matter. I wish the film had spent longer trying to actually make the case for... Ultron ending the world. <laughs> that would have been a very different film. Every now and again, just get Ultron phoning Tony going, so we need to talk again. Yeah. <laughs> I've had some more ideas. Maybe they can play chess or something while they do it. When we get to ripping apart the, the prime Ultron, everyone gets evacuated on the helicarrier that turns up. They managed to turn Wi-Fi off and delete the cloud save version of Ultron. <laughs> yeah, so yes. he's stuck in a body. The last remaining body tries to escape on a Quinjet, at which point the Hulk does his weird, stupid jump, lands on the back and lobs him out. And then climbs inside and flies off into the sunset. Disappears until redacted. <laughs> he was broken-hearted. But I think it was an interesting thing for the, to see that the Hulk and Banner are a little more linked than they have been in the past, because it was certainly Banner's heartache at what Nat had done, but the Hulk was totally with him on it. Yeah, they definitely tried to add a bit more nuance to the the Banner-Hulk combo. So while they were having their stand in a circle around the Doom Button fight, they managed to figure out some way to make the return to Earth somewhat less than extinction level. I forget what. Was it just to have Tony grab it by the bottom parts and fly upwards? I can't remember. Uh, he Doesn't he, like, chest cannon charge parts of the vibranium and then Thor Mjolnir fucking lightning bolts into the top of it and... It causes an explosion and shatters bits of it, but for some reason it doesn't kill everyone. I think conservation of energy is not a big thing in this. <laughs> There's a lot of questionable physics in all of these films, but in, in any case, the denouement of the of that action sequence is last remaining Ultron robot in a wood somewhere, and Vision turns up to have a philosophical discussion with him for 35 seconds. Yeah, where um, Ultron tries to convince Vision that humanity is flawed and not worth saving and Vision is on the side of being flawed is what makes them interesting Vision is in my opinion a great character partly because no one trusts him initially and also the viewer is not quite sure what to make of him because he looks weird and has an English accent (laughs) (laughs) and therefore you're not clear if he's a hero or not also he's made of an infinity stone I think yeah it's nailed to his forehead which 
ruins the already un- unbalanced party strength composition. <laughs> yeah, he has some absolutely wicked powers. So, yeah, had that little conversation between Ultron and Vision been, like, 45 minutes long, this might have been one of my favourite films ever. <laughs> Possibly at the cost of some other viewers' enjoyment of it. But it does include... A, Vision manages to land in a brilliant line that you don't get to use very often, which is that the more or less final line is Ultron saying, you're incredibly naive, or unbearably naive, to which Vision responds, well, perhaps I was born yesterday. <laughs> So glad you got the opportunity to use that because there's a narrow window. And then that brings us round to the end with the Avengers at the New Avengers HQ, which is out in the country. That starts pumps some money in because he figures having them hold up in the middle of a major city is a bad idea. Question mark. All of these films have had the war against architecture going on throughout, but I think this one might have set a record for that. <laughs> Thor leaves. And heads back to Asgard to try and find out what the fuck's been going on. Tony goes home, Barton retires, and Cap and Black Widow get ready to uh, train up some new Avengers. Including Scarlet Witch. I, can't, I actually can't remember if Vision was there or not. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was War Machine, Vision, Scarlet Witch, and... And Clint's 17-year-old nephew, Dave. <laughs> For party balance. The Falcon. Falcon, that's it. And I can't remember if Cap says Avengers Assemble, or if he just gets Avengers out, and then they cut He it. says Avengers and then Pregnant Inhalation. Uh, yeah, it cuts him off just as he's about to start talking again. The choices like that, and like you said a moment ago, Nathan, about the uh, I Was Born Yesterday, I think it shows how well the uh, the film was put together. I think Joss did a really good job of piecing... Well, there's a lot in there. I think it's quite good flow a narrative to it even if it is very action heavy there's a lot of development for the characters that goes along with all the action that's true very balanced what was the end credit scene i actually cannot remember that so the last time i saw thanos was when he goes fine i'll do it myself and then this one he's there taking the well taking the golden infinity gauntlet out of the cupboard and putting it on oh yeah that's it i have a glove now figure out what this means in six or seven films time <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, so this is the one who says, fine, I'll do it myself, and takes the glove out. I, I just remembered while we were talking about Thor that Th- it is not the case that Vision like, picks up the hammer and Thor goes, oh, okay, he's a good guy then, as determined by Excalibur. Instead, it's, I've decided that this process should go ahead, but the power cable's been pulled out. No matter, we can animate our. Prometheus or the new Adam by lightning strike to the bed. Yeah, because Thor had a vision, didn't he, but of a greater power that was needed and sided with the we need this person because Infinity Stone in head and supercharged vision. He was the deciding vote. Vote in this case meaning lightning strike. <laughs> no way. I've just been doing some Wikipedia diving into the actors. Um, James Spader played Daniel Jackson in the original Stargate film. No. Yeah. That can't be right. Honestly, Pakajen, no duff. Daniel Jackson, PhD, is a fictional character in the military science fiction franchise Stargate and one of the main characters, blah, 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 blah. He is portrayed by James Spader in the 1994 film Stargate. And you can tell it's him, except it's him with hair, but given that I'm used to seeing him as red from yeah. the blacklist. 
He looks so different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've seen oh, man. I have seen the original Star uh, Stargate, but I wouldn't have identified James Spader from it, or I have, don't think I've seen most anything else he's been in. So, Jesus, the first reference that comes to my mind is just an image collection I saw a while ago that just says James Spade, James Spader, James Spadist. <laughs> I mean, he's in Lincoln. Yeah, but there's 500 people in Lincoln. <laughs> they play someone called William N. Bilbo. Yeah, who is one of the various corrupt henchmen. Can we just go back to Stargate for a second and, and just how good a casting job they did with getting Michael Shanks to play Daniel Jackson, as I did not realise just how much they look alike. <laughs> Both of their pictures are on the, the Stargate Wikipedia page for Daniel Jackson, and Jesus Christ. I mean, it's difficult to tell because one's got hair and one hasn't. I, it was a Stargate picture of James Spader, so it was young James. And this is where we're all just scrolling through Wikipedia now, isn't it? Yeah, just be trying to find anything that's relevant or interesting. Why don't we try rating? I, I think this may be my favourite that we've seen up to this point. I enjoyed it. I think I preferred Avengers Assemble and Guardians of the Galaxy is still my favourite. Guardians will always have a special place, but I think for the balance of development and action... Age of Ultron was that like that tonal shift. I think if you divided the whole film, up, whole MCU so far up into thirty-second intervals, and then had me laboriously rank them all, a large fraction of the top ten percent of that enormous table would be from this film. <laughs> Overall, though, I find it the average. My favorite MCU film remains Lincoln, <laughs> followed by The Winter Soldier. Uh, what was Stan Lee's role in this one? He was the the vet that they had to the uh, We Defeated Hydra piss up, and he blagged some thousand-year-old booze off, um, off, off Thor, Thor yes. and is then staggering out going, Excelsior. <laughs> I was like, I've fought on Omaha Beach, therefore I can handle Aquavit, which doesn't logically follow and also doesn't turn out to be true. <laughs> Very randomly, I've just found that they are making a new version of June in 2020. A new version of June? Yeah. Starring Josh Brolin. James Spader? Thanos. No, not James Spader. It's got... In order to make the month, the year 13 months long and therefore have a proper number of weeks in each month. <laughs> <laughs> June, as in D-U-N-E, not J-U-N-E. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> God damn you, the English language. Right, yeah, it stars Josh Brolin, who's Thanos, Stellan Skarsgård, who's... Um, Jamie Lannister? No. Or is... No, the other one. The, the professor from Eric Thor. Selvig. Eric Selvig, that's it. Very different to Jamie Lannister. Like, yeah. Incredibly different. They've got similar last names. You mean they're both Scandinavian? Yes. It's like Smith and Smythe. How am I meant to differentiate? Uh, it's also got Dave Bautista. Oh, and Oscar Isaac. That's a pretty stand-up cast. Anyway, back to the MCU. Would you like to know what comes next? Yeah. Uh, in theory, I know this because I looked at the note sometime in the last six months. Is it time for another <laughs> Iron Man? I don't know. No, they've surely they've done enough Iron Mans now. I mean, we've just had Iron Man 7. So yeah, it is time for something else. It's in fact time for a new origin story. It is Ant-Man. <laughs> I forgot that that was a character in the same universe. So Ant-Man is what kicked the whole shebang off. But I think we'll save that for next time to discuss. <laughs> Nathan's prediction, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but an action film. 
I mean, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was already kind of an action film. Also, given the title, you could probably guess that with knowing literally nothing. Well, that's that's fortunate. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, because, you know, Spider-Man is a man that climbs up walls. Ant-Man could just be a guy that has six legs and an exoskeleton. And is really, really small. Does he have the same face mask that Peter Quill had in Guardians of the Galaxy, or do they both just have glowing red eyes? They both have glowing red eyes. The extended period of silence would imply that no one's got anything else to say. Yes. Yeah, it's 8.26, I need to go and fold laundry and then fall asleep. And by fold laundry and fall asleep, you mean solve more Rubik's Cubes. I feel like once you've solved it once, what's the point of doing it a second time? (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm just genuinely wondering what the median number of times that each individual Rubik's Cube gets solved. Is it zero? Well, the real question is, how many different starting combinations are there on a Rubik's Cube? Yeah, you need to 100% that sure, Yeah, sure, you haven't completed a Rubik's Cube until you've completed it for every single starting condition. I will allow you to discount, you know, entire body rotations, because that's just the same starting condition, just turned to 90 degrees or more. Well, it's not, because the centre pieces are not movable. <laughs> Do you line all your completed Rubik's Cubes up once you've done them? Do you, you mean each Rubik's Cube can only be done once, and once it is complete, that's it, it locks into place magically? Nathan just puts it on a shelf or super glues it together because if you do and if I ever come to visit I cannot guarantee that I will not leave without having juggled all of your Ruby skews back up as hilarious as this is the sad truth is that I randomise them completely absentmindedly whenever I happen to be around (laughs) can do a normal sighted solve in about 5 minutes and a blindfold one in half an hour with about an 80% accuracy rating now so whilst other men scratch their balls Nathan completes and uncompletes Rubik's cubes I'm trying to recreate that one gif from The Simpsons. Hang on, I, I need to find it now. Simpsons Rubik's Cube gif. Come on, Google. You just typed that one Simpsons gif into Google and see if it happens to be on the front page. Because we all know if something's beyond page two of Google, it doesn't really exist. I mean, there are a lot of Simpsons gifs, but it has found out. It's the one where Homer's got the two baskets of Rubik's Cubes and he's just solving them without looking and putting it in the basket. The one where he has the crown taken out of his nose. Are you Homestar Runner, Dan? Me. A brown crown. <laughs> Crayon, it's two syllables. Crown. No, he's, he's not Homestar, but he is from Essex. <laughs> In it. You can take the boy out of Essex, but you can't take the Essex out of the boy. <laughs> Water. In it. Crown. Shut up. I, I do just need to see now what it comes up with that one Simpsons gift. <laughs> which, which one it chooses. It's got a lot. I think from the, the selection that um, it's given me in the images for that one Simpsons gif, it is Homer backing away into the hedge that is the one I interested Oh, yeah, in solid. Right, enough dilly-dallying. <laughs> yeah, now we've done some good visual comedy by talking about the Simpsons gifs. <laughs> it's just to make sure you've got enough material to put at the beginning of the podcast. Oh, no, this is staying at the end. I'm not, not rejigging it to the beginning. Bye, everybody. Bye, Dr. Nick. That's it for this week, peeps. Tune in next time for more remedial nerding. Right, let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. I'm busy on Frinkiac. Right, yep, I'm ready.
I say I'm ready. Where's and... Audacity gone? All right, got it. Okay, so you're not ready at all. <laughs> I mean, for some value of it, yeah, I'm ready now. <laughs> Is your confidence greater than 90% plus or minus 1%? I am. I was going to say I'm five sigma. I'm probably three and a half sigmas. <laughs> well, let me know when you get to six sigma. Well, hey. that would. I don't get the joke. Also, that would take ten thousand years. What if, let's just let's. You're you're an you're an engineer and you don't know what six sigma is. I'm an analyst. I'm not an engineer. Well, he's, he's he's the wrong kind of wrong kind of engineer. It's the kind of thing you need to prove that the Higgs boson exists. I oh, see. That's what I was going for with five. Okay. <laughs> just screwed up my stats jokes. Right. Let's. Let's do a sync stop before one of us. This, and I'm not this, saying it's four. This is four. why we don't record early on a Friday night because it just goes rat shit. Let, let's let's sync stop before someone <laughs> rips their headphones out of the computer and throws the whole thing out of a window. To be fair, this week we're recording an hour early and therefore not having two thirds of us being utterly exhausted. <laughs> oh. Man, this is going to be a long outro. Right, you ready? I'm yeah. hovering my mouse cursor over the uh, stop button. Okay, in three, two, one, stop. <laughs>